Hola chicos, welcome to the Mande podcast. Happy to be here again. If you're tuning in, thank you so much for sticking with me and listening and giving this podcast a shot. It's been a crazy, I want to say crazy week, but it's, I feel like I say that every week. It's just been so busy for the last six months in terms of work, my household, my kids, my husband's busy. I've been flying a lot for work, for vacation, for other things. I've just been nonstop and I'm so tired. Oh my gosh. But grateful nonetheless. I'm very grateful and I feel like those two things can coexist. I can be tired, I can complain, but I'm also super, super grateful. And today I want to talk a little bit about something that's been really relevant in the news. It's been, even though I feel like it's quieted down so much, but feminism and Roe v. Wade and what this all looks like in our communities and how I kind of, how this is going to affect us in the future, I think. And I have been raised here in the States and Roe v. Wade has always existed. There's always been abortion. There's always been access to it. Unfortunately, when you come from a background or a community where there is a lot of poverty, there's a lot of systemic poverty, you see a lot of teen pregnancies, you see a lot of unwanted pregnancies. And even when you know from a young age the importance of abortion and the importance of planned parenthood and having access to birth control and preventative care. And you also see, even though it's been, you know, something that we know about, we know about abortion, we know about birth control, a lot of times, even still, even still, there isn't a lot of access. Hello, I was a teen mom, okay? And I went to a Catholic high school, which taught abstinence. And while I respect abstinence, to me, it's not a realistic approach, right? Because kids are going to do it. Teens are going to push boundaries. And so if you're out here teaching abstinence, right, how am I going to know where to go when I have an issue? How am I going to go? Where am I going to go when I start having sex or whatever, when teens start having sex and I don't know where to go for birth control because I come from a Latino community where you know, our parents didn't talk about those things. We talk about those things with our kids, but our parents didn't talk to us about that. I wasn't even, I was barely allowed to hang out. My parents are very strict. My dad was very strict. And who am I going to ask? about Planned Parenthood or Google didn't exist then. So I understand the importance of education on these subjects. I understand the sharing of resources. I understand the importance of access. And what a shame, you know, how have we forgotten what it was like before the internet even, right? Before the internet was really here in in such a way where we could just find things with the t- typing, we type something in an, an address bar and it's there. All the information is there. How quickly have we forgotten? And I don't think it's us, obviously our generation that has forgotten. It's not us. It's the one before us. And it's, I'm sorry to say the weirdos of now, like I just, I don't understand how being pro-choice, 
has become so, like, how have we lost this? How have we lost Roe v. Wade? How was this overturned? And why aren't we speaking? Why aren't we still talking about it? It really blows my mind how like the news cycle just moves on so quickly. Like people were more outraged over getting a shot, you know, being quote unquote forced to get a vaccine for COVID versus Roe v. Wade getting overturned. My body, my choice. It's very confusing to live in a world where you really feel like you don't matter. Like women are second class citizens. Like there's just a vendetta against us. Like men hate us. Women hate us. You know, it's like men hate women and women hate women. (laughs) How unfortunate is that? I remember when Hillary Clinton ran and a lot of people didn't like her. And granted, she's a politician. Politicians do icky things many times, but is she no different than a Trump? Why were we so, when I say we, I I mean like the US, not like me personally, but why were we so able to give people like Donald Trump, who is a terrible human being, why were we so able to give people like him the benefit of the doubt, support, but Hillary who is a smart woman and regardless of what you say, has dedicated her life to a bunch of causes. She's been in politics. She knows what she's doing. We were so close, but people really couldn't get over their dislike for her and whatever quote unquote she's done. Like we don't actually know. And people just were so quick to write her off. People hated her that much that they put Trump in office. How do you hate a person you don't actually know, but who has dedicated their life to public service? That is politics, guys. Public services, politics. She's dedicated her life to this. She's put her life on hold to support her husband in this. And she comes out and she's doing it herself. You know, that's what feminism is. It's really going after your goals and doing it in such a way that it's unapologetic. And she's hated for it. I think that's so weird. I think it's so weird. Celebrity in general, like we decide who we like, who we don't like. We think we know what other people's lives are like. That's why I'm always so hesitant to comment on like celebrity stuff. Like I don't say I dislike or like any particular celebrity. And I don't even enjoy commentary on it because we don't actually know what these people's lives are like or who they actually are. We just see glimpses and I'm not really invested. A lot of times people will try and share things with me or I literally, I just can't engage because it doesn't move me in the least bit. Like I really don't care about celebrity life because I feel so far removed. I feel like I don't know at all. Like I don't know them. I don't know their lives and I have zero interest. But going back to what I was talking about, Hillary Clinton and the Clintons in general, like I'm sure they've done shady things, but is it any less shady than Donald Trump and anyone else in politics? And I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm just saying, do we actually know? It's just so unfortunate. And I feel like people are going to continue attacking our rights and like coming for whatever it is that we hold close to our hearts in terms of rights, in terms of freedoms. They're going to keep coming for it. And I think we're just so desensitized at this point that we're just like letting it go and like moving on. In my case and in a few of my friends' cases, we're just so sad about it that we can't even like... We don't even talk about it anymore because we're trying to keep the little joy that that we do have in our lives, right? Because with everything going on, everything is just so heavy, everything's so deep. Like we have to save something for ourselves. But going back to Roe v. Wade, I don't know 
if it's been talked about with your families, but in my family, like, no one's really talked about it. I don't really see anyone like any of our elders talking about it. I don't see anyone really like outraged <laughs> except for like my generation. And that's really sad, really unfortunate, but I can kind of understand why. If you think about it, like our parents are still super religious or fake religious, you know, <laughs> if you know what that means, like they go to church on holiday. It's the church is still present and prevalent in our fathers and mothers community and in that generation. So I feel like they are not really talking about it because they low-key agree with it, right? They are still anti-abortion. And I think they don't really talk about it with us because they don't want to get into it with us or don't know how to approach the situation. But I must say that the silence is a little disheartening and it does make it feel like my generation, our generation is alone in this fight, which can be scary, right? Because if we're in this alone, we're really going to have to stick together and be united, which is not an easy thing to do as we've seen. But it's really up to us to make the noise, to really be out there, to be doing the voting, to be doing the advocating, to be doing the fighting because our parents aren't going to do it. Our grandparents are not going to do it. Our tias and our tios are not going to do it. They are not with the shits, unfortunately. And we just have to pick up this cause and get with it. We have to do it. We have to do all the things and we have to do it together because no one is going to save us. No one's going to save us but ourselves. So we really have to be out here doing the work, advocating, spreading correct information, you know, and speaking to our kids, to our sons, to our daughters, and really getting these messages of equality and of acceptance and of the sharing of resources. We really have to get these messages out there to the youth so that they don't forget and so that they have a better chance at these things. I don't know how we're going to get back to women's rights. Like, I don't know where to go from here, but if our parents or if our grandmothers and our mothers were able to overcome some of the things that they have overcome, then I'm sure we can, right? And speaking of our mothers and our grandmothers, I think they are some of the greatest examples of feminism, femininity in our community. And I really do love our culture and I am not shitting on it. I love it. So I love being Latina. I love our food. I love even some of our toxicity. <laughs> I think we're so fun. I think we're such a happy people. And I think we are very, and I hate that I love saying that we're strong and resilient because there's nothing I want more than a, a peaceful, soft life, but we are strong and resilient. And that is a great trait to have. When I look back and I think of my grandmother, my mother had, my grandmother had 11 kids and she raised them with my grandfather. They beat the odds, right? Because if you have 11 kids, you think that they're, you're going to fail at something or, you know, how can you possibly raise 11 kids in quote unquote poverty? Because they weren't by no means wealthy in the least bit, but they were wealthy in love for sure. And in other things, but they lived in a poor community. And my grandmother really advocated for her family to move out of that small community they lived in and move to a bigger one, a coastal town where there was more opportunity. And so she did that with my grandfather, with all her kids in tow. 
And she really raised them, raised them to be great human beings. She worked. Imagine having to feed those many kids, that amount of kids, clothe them, raise them, make sure they're good people, make sure they're getting educated, being a wife, making sure your husband is okay, bringing money into the household as well. Like my grandma was about it. Okay. She is about it. She's still here on earth. She's 98 years old. She would sew. She was a seamstress. She would wash clothes as a job as well. Quote unquote, dry cleaning (laughs) back in the day, the old school dry cleaning. She would, you know, and she would raise her kids and she would protect them. My mom tells me so many stories about how she wasn't allowed to have boyfriends or anything. And like, they were so like watched, like going to school, coming back from school, not letting them be with strangers because uno nunca sabe, right? (laughs) If you know, you know, and just really protecting them from all the quote unquote evils. And they didn't want, I think back then, like the worst thing you could do was like teen pregnancy, right? Or unmarried, unwed pregnancy. Out of a pregnancy out of marriage. I'm sorry, my English fails me sometimes. Yeah, like my grandmother really did that. She really did that. She raised wonderful human beings. And I think my grandma was so courageous. And even with my mother, my mother was never, you know, like um, in the family, like we always talk and like the running joke is like, my mom was just never about that life. My mom never, it's very, it was very common. And it's, especially in those days, like the girls would wash the brother's clothes and would like help cook and do everything for the brothers, the boys, right? My mom always hated doing those chores and she hated cooking. And I think it's so special to know your kids and to see them, to truly see them. And so my grandma knew who my mom was. She saw my mom for who she was and she would tell her, of course, in her own tough love way, a ti no te gusta cocinar, no te gusta estar en la cocina. You don't like to be in the kitchen. You don't like to cook. You better study, study hard, stay focused. Don't be out here chasing these boys. My grandma would like chase them off. Like she would not let anyone get close to my mom because she knew my mom had a vision. She saw that my mom had something special in her. She saw my mom had big dreams because she did. And But back then, what they would call a woman or girl who had big dreams but didn't necessarily have the means, they would say, oh, a defesiosa. ¿Quién se cree? You know, like who does she think she is? And they would say things like that about my mom. And, but my mom had these big dreams. She always did. She daydreamed. She knew she wanted something more from life than the small town could offer her. And my grandma encouraged it in her own way, in her own tough love way. And she really encouraged my mom to study. And my mom did that. And then when it was time for her to leave, you know, the town that she grew up in after high school, my grandfather didn't want her to. She was really, he was really upset about it. But my grandma let, like, she let her, she encouraged it secretly in her heart. She knew that she was destined for more. And I think that is feminism clear as day in back in the day, you know what I mean? Like where it wasn't traditional for your daughters to like go off to the big city or to go abroad to study for college or to, you know, seek a professional life. What was common back then. It was like, you, you wanted to marry your kids, your daughters off well. And my grandmother did not care that that was not the norm. Right. She was like, my daughter has dreams and 
I am going to help her pursue those in the smallest way, in the only way she possibly could, because she couldn't like pay for an education or anything, right? But she could encourage her. She could protect her from her own self at that time. She just really pushed her in her own way, in her tough, in her own tough love way. And I even get a little choked up about it because we have a tendency, especially my mom and her siblings have a tendency to really romanticize their grandfather, their father, my grandfather, who was amazing. May he rest in peace. But my grandmother, she really like raised these kids. Okay. Cause let's be real. The kids were at home, you know, the mom is who does the raising, especially in those times. And she really like raised incredible kids. Like my aunts and uncles are incredible. They not they may not all be professionals. Most of them are actually, but you know, we have stay-at-home moms who are incredible mothers and who have raised incredible kids. My cousins are so wonderful. My grandmother did this with no real resources, but she did it with so much love and she had so much passion. And sometimes the only way you can, you know, you know how to encourage is through tough love, unfortunately. But that tough love kept them fed. That tough love pushed them to their highest potentials. That tough love really like made the family. I think that's like such an act of love, such an act of feminism to know your daughters and want more for them, regardless of what society tells you and to push them and to encourage them what she did for my mom. And then, and then you're passing that legacy on because then my mom does that for me, her only daughter, right? She did it for me. And my mom's also been a force within the family as well. So she's helped my cousins. She's encouraged cousins. She's helped with college, helping them with college and whatever resources. My mom was a resource for the family, is a resource. And she was able to be that for me. And it's something that I pass on to my daughter and I hope we continue it. But like, I think the Latino community gets a a rep. The machismo is prevalent, all right? Let's not deny it. But there's still acts of bravery and feminism within our communities. And I think it's so beautiful to to recognize them and to celebrate them. It, It isn't so dark and it isn't so toxic because it exists. It exists. You just look within your own family and if they're thriving, even better. Us thriving is an act of feminism. And we've been able to do all these things while keeping our femininity. Sometimes, sometimes, I mean, I feel like I lost mine for a little bit. I I became super hard and had a lot of, lost a lot of my divine femininity energy, which I am reclaiming. And I don't mean that in like terms of gender. I just mean energy. It's not, am I a man or am I a woman? It's just in terms of energy. I'm reclaiming that because, you know, as first gen kids, there's all this trauma and the surviving that you have to do. So you develop a lot of this masculine energy, this tough energy. And I kind of don't want it anymore. (laughs) So anyway, we've been able to do all these things while maintaining our femininity. And sometimes it's toxic. I'm not going to lie. It's definitely seen. It's definitely prevalent. And I try my best to get rid of that. Like even my dad will come over and he'll ask when he visits and he'll ask, what am I feeding my husband? I'm like, nothing. You know, he can feed himself. I cook one meal a day and that's dinner. You know, he worries about his own lunch and breakfast, breakfast and lunch. And if he needs to worry about his dinner too, that's fine. 
He would never ask me like, oh, what am I going to eat today, babe? Like that doesn't exist here unless we're trying to like figure out what we're ordering for food (laughs) for dinner or whatever. I just feel like, you know, mothers are the matriarchs of our families in our community and they deserve to be noticed. They deserve like to be recognized as feminists and everything that they've done. You, you know, like raising a family is no easy feat. So whether they're your mothers are professionals, stay-at-home moms, like everything they do, think about every action that they do to get that they've taken to get you to where you are, right? Or even for to get themselves to the, where they are. You know, whether it's leaving their country behind, right? And acclimating to this one and raising a family in this one. Like that, you know how hard it is? It's freaking hard. It's difficult. It's lonely and it's scary and they do it. And I really, I really admire us. I really respect us and nothing would make me happier than for our generation because that's another thing like, okay, they have already done their duty. They've done their job and I would love for our parents, I would love for our tias and our tios to stand with us in terms of like reproductive rights. But if they don't, like you can't depend on them. Like we have to move on and really figure out how we're going to do this together, right? Because they still subscribe to a religion that makes it seem like it's evil. They still subscribe to a religion a lot of times that shames women right? Because they do that as a form of control. And religion, I don't say is a bad thing, but powers that be and people with agendas use it, right? As a weapon, as a weapon to control women, to control a people. They shame us as a form of control. So I can't, I'm not going to sit here and argue with my grandma or my mom about Roe v. Wade. I'm just not going to do it because I love them so much. And that doesn't mean I am denying my support for Roe v. Wade or my denying my support for being pro-choice and my denying the right for reproductive rights, but I am not going to engage in a debate with my aunt or uncle about it. I think this, that's just the work that we have to do amongst ourselves and we can do it loudly. We can do it boldly and proudly. I'm not saying to quiet down. I'm just saying like, I'm not going to teach an old dog new tricks. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. And I'm not saying it's a saying, I'm not calling anyone old, but people are set in their ways. Right. And you don't change minds by arguing and being defensive. No, you change minds through action. You got to show people sometimes. And sometimes you have to let people make their mistakes and do their own judgment, have their own, make their own judgments and whatever. And we'll show them. We'll show them why this is important. We'll show them that we can stick together and fight for a cause. I'm hoping because I am hopeful about it because it really makes no sense to argue with each other about something like this and create discord within our communities when we really, what we really need is unity during these times. Right? We really need the unity and I want other women to love other women. Like when, like no one's competing over men anymore these days. Like we should not. Like I know that was like our innate animalistic instinct is to not like other women because, you know, we're competing for men back in the day, the scarcity of it all. But like, guys, really? Like these men are trash. (laughs) Just kidding. We love men. We love all people. But we really need to like get it figured out. We need to love each other. 
we need to stick together. We need to really just like reel it in, reel it in. And you can like not like someone and not bash them. We can still fight for a cause together. Like there's just so many things that need to be, need to happen in order for things like this not to happen again. I just feel like, I feel like birth control is already limited enough. And I feel like that's next. Like, what are we going to do with our daughters? And what are they going to do with, you know, with themselves and their kids, if they have any? Like, I just, I'm so, like, if things don't change, like, it's, we're seeing what happens when things don't change, right? Like, things are just getting worse and worse right? So you might think something small that I'm exaggerating with the whole Hillary Clinton thing, but like now look, right? Now look. And even, let me go back a little bit. I don't want really like talking about politics. I mean, I love talking about politics, high key, but not on this type of format. Let me go back the whole Joe Biden thing. Okay. Joe Biden's our president now. I actually voted for Joe Biden, but he wasn't the candidate I wanted. I wanted Elizabeth Warren, but why didn't I vote for Elizabeth Warren? Because everyone said she didn't have a chance. Everyone said she couldn't win. Why couldn't she win? What was Joe Biden that exciting? Is it the name recognition? Maybe it would have been better if we got something, got had someone that people didn't know, we're already so familiar with. So it could have been new. It could have been exciting. We let them convince us that we needed another old white man to lead this country. All right. We needed another old white man to get the democratic vote. That is so, if that is not misogynistic, like that is so terrible. (laughs) We let, we literally let them convince us and voted for Joe instead of Elizabeth Warren. And it's a regret I have. I am not going to lie because I feel like, especially with all these decisions being made, I feel like Elizabeth would have been exciting. I feel like she would have really fought the good fight. And it's just unfortunate. It is unfortunate. I And I look at Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and I look at her as a real contender in the future. But she does get like, oh, they really scrutinize everything she does, everything. And I think she's wonderful. And the right wingers and the conspiracy theorists, they even, they haven't, they say so many things about her. Like, it's crazy. And people really let themselves convince them of that, of these things. And maybe they're right. Who knows? Like, who actually knows anything? But think about it. It's always a woman that they have like these crazy theories about. It's always the one, it's always Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, AOC. It's always us that they bash the most. Like it's so visible. It's like so clear, but no one really says anything. I feel like, or maybe we're just not loud enough. Maybe we need to be louder. I feel like our aunts, our mothers, our grandmas, they are our feminist heroes here at home. And in the time, they are a product of their time. So like, they're not going to get with all the modernity all the time. Like they're not modern all the time. They're not always going to be who we want them to be, but we accept them. We love them and we recognize the work they've already done. And it's up to us to move on, to make it more progressive, right? To make it more progressive, to make it more real, to make things tangible, to make things easier. It's really up to us. And I think once we accept that, 
accept the challenge, we won't be so mad at our moms anymore. We won't be so mad at the grandmas, at the aunts, at the uncles about their silence on pro-choice. They won't, we won't be so, what's the word, combative with them because they're not the people we need to fight, right? That's not who the fight is with. Trust me. The fight is how do we stay united? The fight is how do we get people to vote, right? To actually vote, not just ignore the ballot when it comes in the mail. How do we get people to care? How do we make people aware of what's going on? That's the real task because me debating my mom about religion, about what's right or wrong and what it says in the Bible, that's not going to, that's not helping anyone. That's not. We have to do it ourselves. We have to make the movements. We have to be active. You know, we have to get involved and stay involved because, you know, all this rah-rah in the beginning is fine, but how do we maintain it? How do we stay? How do we stay outraged? And our moms, I'm telling you, they will, they, they will join us. They will because our moms are low-key proud of us all the time. They want us to be loud. They want us to fight for something. They want us to be our own person, regardless of what they say. Sometimes they don't even know how to show it, you know, when they're proud. Unfortunately, it's one of our toxic traits, <laughs> one of the toxic traits in, in the Latino community. Our ancestors, our mothers, our grandmothers, they're not the best communicators. They love a tough love moment. And sometimes they're just not very vocal with how they actually feel. And I know that they're proud. I know my mom is proud. I know my grandma is so proud of my mom, regardless of what she says. I don't even think, I shouldn't even say think. I know my mom is not my favorite, my mom, my grandma's favorite. My grandma has clear favorites. It's so funny, but she is proud and she knows she can depend on my mother. And that's another formal lo- form of love. That's an- be seeking my mom because she knows that she can handle a problem or that she knows how to navigate certain things. That's saying, I'm proud of you and you're dependable and thank you. My grandma loves all her kids. You know, she does, <laughs> she clearly has favorites. But yeah, like, I like that. I like that my parents can depend on me too. I think that's a form of acceptance, a form of love. And they see us for who we are. They see us for successful people that know how to navigate through different issues and can problem solve. We know how to get out of tough situations. We know how to get out of whatever tough circumstances we're in. We know how to survive and thrive. But I just think it's so important to recognize the work that was already done and not just be mad all the time, right? Because of how far they still need to go because they're not going, they're not going to go any further. You know, they passed the baton to us. We're going forward now, okay? Now it's our turn and we have to do the things. We have to teach our daughters and sons all the things. We have to teach our sons to be respectful. We have to teach our sons not to hate women. We have to teach our sons that women's rights are women's rights. And no one has, no one but us has any authority on our bodies and what we decide to do with ourselves. So yeah, that's that's what I wanted to talk about today. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I am very, very passionate about women's rights. I'm very passionate about family and I'm very passionate about 
Latinas and how we how we move in society and all the spaces we can create for ourselves. I'm very passionate about us. I love us. Stay active, stay vocal, be your most authentic self at all times, regardless, and don't fight your parents. It's, it's exhausting. Don't do that to yourself. All right. Well, I love you guys. Have a great week. Un beso. Ciao. Thank you.